Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Man, I, uh, that's... Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> that was pretty darn cool, man. Right on. All right. I'm going to ask you guys uh, to get back up. <laughs> Would you stand up with me one more time, please? Come on, man. All right. Just stand up with me as, uh, as I read uh, this, this, our scripture for today. It's out of Luke. We've been going through the book of Luke. We're in Luke chapter 12. And we're in verses 13 through 21. If you want to follow along, we'll be up on the screen or you can open up your Bible. If you have one of those, one of the pages and everything, or you have an app you want to use, you can do that too as well. Um, but uh, let's, just, uh, let's just listen to this scene. All right, and uh, just kind of catch you guys up. You know, God uh, had been, uh, Christ has, has, it was, was just, you know, it's this one whole scene through Luke chapter 12 where he's talking to his, his boys and there's oh, thousands of people are surrounding him and, uh, and he's talking to his guys, man, and then uh, he's kind of teaching them and then something happens in the middle of this and let's just take a look. And so, Father, this is your word, Lord God, and we just give you praise. And Lord God, we ask in the mighty name of Christ Jesus, Lord God, that, uh, that any walls that we have, Lord God, that are just not allowing us to submit to your word, but just keep us hovering over it. I pray, Lord, that they're just crushed right now and that we can just come beneath your word, Lord God, and just listen to your Holy Spirit speak into our life. It's all for your glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And so, he, and so in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, it says, someone in the crowd... Right, he's teaching, and someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made I love when Jesus goes, Man, all right, man, who made me a made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying the, the land of a, of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and I will build larger ones. And there I will store my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, so you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> but God said to him, fool. That's messed up, man. When God says, you better check yourself. All right? <laughs> fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you've prepared, whose will they be? And then Jesus says, so it is, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And so, Father, again, we just praise you and we just thank you for your word in Jesus' mighty name. Guide us. Amen. So you can go ahead and sit down, guys. Uh, 
In his book, the guy Bob Buford wrote a book called Halftime. It's a pretty good book. Uh, and in it, he tells a story about his buddy Howard, a friend of his, Howard, that is this really totally driven and compulsive, you know, businessman. He's the chairman. He's the, you know, he's in his 40s, man. He's already the chairman, the president, the CEO of the largest firm in his city. Right? And it was even it was even assumed that man it wasn't gonna be long till this guy's all the way in New York leading the whole company from New York, man, because he was that guy, he was that driven, he was that compulsive, and he was a part of an organization called the Young President's Organization. And they called him, they had nicknames for him, they called him the white shark, the great white shark. All right, because the way he would go after a deal, they, they also called him that heat seeking missile. And he used to love those, 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 uh, those terms, man. He liked those nicknames about himself. And one day, Buford was at a young president's organization meeting with him, and he was there, and he just asked him, he's like, he just asked him about his success and about, you know, how quickly he rose into power and, and how, how he's doing this all. And the guy said this, man. He said, my career is what matters most. Because I have four client dinners a week, and my family just has to understand that. He says, I'm not home much. He says, but my quality time, I got quality time. I spend quality time with my family once a year. We have a family vacation, and that's just going to have to be good enough. That's just the way it is, is what he said. Well, you see, then tragedy struck. And Howard and his wife lost their only son. And the way Buford describes it is pretty, 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 pretty wild. He says this, he says, there was nothing in Howard that sustained him through this loss, that prepared him for this loss and sustained him through this loss. There was nothing inside, absolutely nothing inside because everything was accumulating outside. And one day he saw him again at another young uh, YPO, we'll just call it meeting. And Howard leaned over to Buford and he says, man, I'm not handling this well. He says, I don't know what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do. He says, I'm gonna call you. I, I need to talk. But he never called. And so what he did is start pouring even more deeply into his work, all right? But it wasn't the same. You see, his, his, his work, his, his drive, his, 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 his hunger for the kill, all right, and his wealth accumulation, it just wasn't working for him anymore. And at the next YPO meeting, Buford saw him. And Howard leaned over and says, man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much done here, man. He goes, I'm finishing out the year. He goes, I'm done. I, I just can't do this anymore. And Buford thought that was really, really wise of him. He said that he actually called some of his largest clients to tell them, hey, you know what? I'm getting ready to finish out, man, you know? And they were all surprised because he was that guy that was going to make it all the way to the top. I mean, his drive for accumulation, his drive for the, for the killing, and then, then that, 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 that leadership was just, just overwhelming. But when he told some of his clients, they're like, oh man, you beat me to it because his clients were thinking the same thing because we've all just been way too hungry for the kill. Then he ended up giving it up. What crazy was before that, he started just kind of just pulling out little by little. And one day Buford called his secretary to set up a meeting with him. And she said, yeah, he's not here. He's actually out playing basketball with some inner city kids at the local rec center, you know? 
And she goes, you want me to let him, you know, set something? He goes, no, never mind, man. Just that's, he's doing exactly what he should be doing. You see, instead of taking in so much, he started giving out. And it changed everything. This guy, uh, George Shaw, Bernard Shaw, he was quoted as saying, there are two sources of unhappiness in this life. One is getting what you want, and the other is, uh, one is not getting what you want, and the other is getting it. <laughs> there are two sources of unhappiness in this life. One is not getting what you want, the other is getting it. And, and I kind of understand where he's going, but I like what this other guy says, man. So one guy says, he goes, you know what? He says, the pursuit of happiness, that's our problem. You see, that's what keeps us tied to the world and living so small, all right? When we, can, when, when we count on things, uh, you know, for the world to provide for us, to provide our happiness, and when the world takes them away, we're not happy anymore. Our problem is we are aiming too low. We're aiming too low when all you're searching for is happiness, right? And to be happy, you are aiming way too low. And I want to challenge you that because I think what we lack is the pursuit of joy, the joy that only God can give through Jesus Christ alone, the joy that only the Holy Spirit provides. See, that's the Holy Spirit gift is, is this gift of joy. And you know what? No one or no thing, not a thing in the world can take that from you. Check it out. This is what Jesus is, is, is trying to help us understand in this, in this story. Check this out. Let's go back to our story right here. Again, let me just kind of remind you. Jesus, he's been preaching, man. He just, he's been talking about, you know what? Don't be a hypocrite like those guys because these guys were actually in the audience. And he points them out and you're like, oh, you shouldn't be talking because they're right there. He's like, I don't care. All right. And he's talking about the Pharisees. You know, don't be a hypocrite like those guys. All right. And then he says, don't be fair. Don't be afraid, you know, because of who can kill the body and then, and, and, but not, you know, you know not, not do nothing, you know, be, be afraid of him, all right? Fear him who can take your life and also, you know, judge your soul. He says, but the one who can do that tells you not, not don't fear, don't be afraid at all because he has you. So he says, don't be a hypocrite and don't be afraid because God himself has you. And in the middle of this, <laughs> all right, some dude in the crowd shouts this out. Check this out. Verse 13. So yeah, he's got the crowd, man. He's talking to his disciples. The whole crowd is listening, and somebody in the crowd, in the middle of this intense teaching, someone says, teacher, <laughs> tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Right? Jesus just got through talking about our great value to God and how God should be uh, a great value to us. And some dude thought this would be a perfect opportunity all right, to remind him of the great value of some cash in my pocket, right? Right? And we're like in the audience because we're digging into this teaching and this guy's, you ever have that? Somebody spouts off and you're like, somebody put that guy in the trunk, all right? Because I'm trying to listen to what Jesus is talking about right here, all right? And this guy just kind of goes off. But you know what? We got we, we to gotta kind of, we got to take some ownership here. Because how many times, okay, how many times do, do we want Jesus, all right, to tell somebody else something? How many times, if you're married, don't answer. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> all right, but think about that. How many times do we want Jesus to tell somebody else something, even though it has nothing to do with what he's talking about? But I just want to tell you, great wisdom is, is found in asking and listening and considering how we should react 
to the things that we want changed. When we want things changed, the wisdom is not found in, in making a change. It's, it's found in, in, in asking and listening and considering uh, how you should, should act. But, you know, what I love about this, though, is though even though this guy's uh, request is totally irrelevant and maybe even disrespectful, right, Jesus, is, he uses it to further his point about kingdom life. And so right now, as Jesus begins speaking in this area, all right, that some of us you know, may or may not struggle with, I want you to ask the questions, listen for the answers, and consider your way forward. And so Jesus uses this guy's interruption, and he starts to teach. He said, hey, hey, man. What's crazy is because he just called this boy his friends. What a difference. Hey, friends, he's talking, and then he says, okay, this guy, all right? Who made me a judge and an arbitrator over you? Jesus shut down the smaller question and started to prepare the crowd for the bigger answer. Do you understand what I'm saying? He shut down the smaller question and prepared that man and the crowd for the bigger answer. And that is that possessions are not what give life meaning. Possessions are not what give life meaning. I remember growing up, man, I remember, uh, I don't know how long ago this was, but I know I was young and I was just driving around and I'd see some dudes that have these bumper stickers on their really cool trucks. You guys remember this bumper sticker? He who dies with the most toys wins. You ever see that? I fell into that for a minute. I was like, oh, that is so cool. I want a lot of toys because I want to win, right? Until I saw another bumper sticker that said, he who dies with the most toys still dies. (laughs) He still dies. He still dies. And here's what I know, man, and Jesus is getting ready to prepare us so that at the end of your life, you know what? You will not be celebrated for what you have accumulated, but you will be celebrated for what you gave away in this life. What you gave away relationally, what you gave away positionally, and what you gave away materially. What you gave away relationally by how you, 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 you loved others all right, and, and, and then how you loved into other people's lives. What you gave away positionally is, is you know, and how you allowed others to, to not only come alongside you, but pass you up and to cheer them on as they go further than you, you ever dreamed of going. What you gave away uh, materially is how you help others get up off the ground because you see they're, they're just hitting the ground. They keep hitting the ground. They need some help up. You see, one thing that, ju- that Jesus will judge when he says, I'm not judge, I'm not arbitrator, but you know what? He's, he will judge is our investment, our lack of investment in humanity for his glory. And so he said to them, look at verse 15. He said, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. He says, take care, man. Be on guard. Watch out. Beware. Take good notice, man. You know what? Just stand guard against covetedness. And you're like, well, I don't even use that word. What does that mean? It's basically, this under, it means that this is against that strong desire to acquire more and more and more in material possessions and positions or even to possess more things than everybody else has, to try to get out in front of the pack and be the one with the most toys. Be very, very careful. 
with that. He says, watch out for that. See, the crazy thing is everybody knows this. We all know this, man, all right? But, but not every one of us live like this, all right? We talk like, you know, we're ready to cut stuff loose, man, but how willing are we really to do it? To help people relationally, positionally, or even materially. So he says, watch out. Watch out for what? Watch out for your appetite, Right, because your appetite can create a distortion in what what life is really about is what he's telling us. And you're like, well, what is life really about? Relationships. There is nothing more important on the planet than relationships, than people and your relationships. Jesus actually said it. He said the most important thing is your relationship with God. Love the Lord your God and your relationship with others. Love others as you love yourself. You see, the problem is we sometimes have a problem loving others as we love ourselves, which in turn actually reflects on how much we love God. So again, we need to watch out. We need to check ourselves. And Jesus is, is giving us these, these warnings, right? And he says, watch out about your appetite. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse 25, he says this, the righteous you know, has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want and want and want and want and want. And I struggle with this about eight o'clock every night. I'm like, stop eating. I'm not even kidding, man. It's like, dude, Really? Go to bed or something, man, because, <laughs> you know, and I figured that I'll get a little exercise because if I'm watching TV and I need something to eat, I'll just run to the kitchen. All right. Get a little exercise, chow down some cookies and run back to the TV. All right. I'm good. So I'm kind of working it off. No, it don't work like that. The righteous has enough to satisfy his appetite, but the belly of the wicked suffers want, constantly wants more and more and more and more. And so I, I'm going to give you a, a word up here, right? And I'm going to kind of help explain it. But I want you to take a look at this. I want you to look at this really closely. Because defining life in terms of the things of things and more things, and defining life in terms of things and more things is, is the ultimate reversal of the creature serving the creation and ignoring the creator, Defining, like he says, life does not consist in the abundance, right? Defining life, all right, in terms of things and, and then more things. It's the ultimate reversal of the creature serving the creation and ignoring the creator. You say, I need some help with that. Let me give some help, all right? In other words, bowing down to what was created for us and ignoring the one who created us is a problem, you see, God created us and, and to, to, to love the Lord your God, all right? And he loved you and expressed it by creating an abundance on this planet for each of us to have a share in and to share with. But our problem is, is we get stuck on the things, right? And we, and we ignore what has been created for us and we literally bow our lives down to us by burning that midnight oil, man, and just do it and just kind of just get in that next, just kind of, I get more, I need more, I need more. And then we ignore the creator who created us. What would I, you see, we are created to love God and use the things that he's given us, right? But we get it twisted and we end up loving the things that he's given us and using God. And we, he's telling us, man, to check yourself right here. 
And then in verse 16, he tells them a parable. And he says, and now we, we got to pay really close attention to what he's saying and what he's not saying right here. Too many people use this kind of stuff just to hammer people down. Listen to what God is saying. And especially what he's saying to you. Remember, ask the questions, man, and, and listen for the answers and consider your way forward. And he told them a parable, and he said, the land of a rich man produced plentifully, which in itself is not a bad thing. It's not right or it's not wrong. It's just a perfectly natural opportunity. I mean, more than likely he came by his wealth through honesty, uh, honestly, and through probably through a lot of hard work. You know what, when, when, I, when I see some people, and you ever hear the term must be nice, right? And we use that term, I think, very wrongly sometimes, all right? When you see somebody who's doing quite well, all right, and then they go on a vacation or they get their kid this thing or they buy this thing for their, or this new house, and we say, wow, it must be nice, right? I want you to check yourself when you say those kind of things. Because you know what? Most people have worked extremely hard for those things. I got a brother right now uh, that, uh, you know, he does really, really well. All right, he's done really, really well, man. And, uh, and, and it, but he is also extremely generous. And I can't stand when some of my old friends look at it and say, oh, it must be nice. I was like, dude, he worked to- so hard. I remember when he started working, he pulled out of the pack and just started working hard, man, and gave up the lifestyle that we're all stuck in, all right? And just started working really, 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 really hard and, and, and just provided for himself and his family and actually takes care of so many of our friends that are struggling. I just watch him just give and give and give. And so to, you know, when we see this, we can't just immediately assume, you know what, you know, being rich and being wealthy and having good things is, is, is bad because that's not what he's saying. You know, <clears throat> this guy might even be thought to be blessed by God, right? But sometimes our blessings can become a problem. Now here's where it gets twisted because this is where Jesus is leaning. Sometimes our blessing can become a problem, especially when we focus on the blessing and no longer the blesser. We have to remember that God blesses us to bless others, right? He, we're a blessing to be a blessing. We're blessed. And so when you go hashtag blessed, no, you go hashtag blessed to be a blessing. All right, you do the whole thing because we're here to bless. I think my brother told me the other day, he said, you know, here in America, we are like the, 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 the poverty level, you know, we, we, I'm going to screw this all up, all right? <laughs> 99% of the world lives under $35,000 a year, all right? And most of the world are way below that. In America, we're the richest country at the richest time, and we live um, above that, I mean, I think the median, uh, what was it, 50000 for the median uh, uh, you know, income of the families in America. And we're doing pretty good. And I know a lot of you might say, well, you know, there's a lot of people who aren't. Guess what? We're going to be nailing that down next week because we have a whole sermon for that as well. But what I know is that God has been blessing us and we have, America has been blessing the world and we need to continue in that, you know, in our, in our prayer, in our, in our service for God, in our generosity. He tells him, a land of a man produced plentifully. And he's going to challenge the focus right here. Look what he says. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? 
for I have nowhere to store my crops. All right? He starts thinking about himself, and this excessive self-interest gets him what, you know, gets us what, is what gets him caught up. And I think sometimes just thinking to ourselves about how to deal with stuff gets us in trouble. We start writing our own theme music, and I think that's a problem when we start creating our own theme music. You know what I mean? I remember back when I was a kid, Saturday Night Fever came out. <clears throat> Anybody remember that movie? It's an old for us old-timers. All right? And I thought it was just so cool watching John Travolta walking down the road in his cool boots to Staying Alive. He was just, he had this theme music, and I thought, you know what? I need some theme music because that is cool. And at that time, they came out with Walkmans, too. And I had these Walkmans, and it had these killer speakers in my ears, and I had my theme music, right? And I was just walking down, walking all over the place, feeling, feeling it, until, you know, I saw somebody else do it, and I thought, that looks ridiculous. Because <laughs> nobody else can hear my theme music. Because it's all to myself. I'm thinking this all to myself. I'm feeling this all to myself. To myself, I am the coolest dude on the planet, even though I don't have a car or any money in my pocket, but I have this cool, you know I mean? I'm just moving. I'm just saying, I think Jesus is saying, look, you got to be very, very, very careful when you start just thinking these things to yourself. It's going to get you in trouble, all right? And potentially, you're going to look really ridiculous. Look what he says. He says, and then, and then the man said, and I will, I will do this. I will tear down my barns, all right? And I will build larger ones, and I will store all my grain and all my goods, all right? You know, that, that's where I'm going to do it. And you're like, wow, this guy is really not thinking right. This guy sounds pretty selfish. But I will just also remind you, since the 1970s, the, the greatest, <laughs> the biggest building projects that have been taking place since the 1970s, the most building projects that have been taking place since the 1970s are storage units. Did you know that? Storage units. That's the, the most real estate, not real estate, but I mean, the, the, but the most building projects everywhere. All right? And this is across the world. Our storage projects. You know that Goodwill is a billion dollar a year nonprofit and it runs solely off of people's excess. Isn't that crazy? I love Goodwill, but anyways, I have a blast at Goodwill. It's kind of like Debbie and mine date night. That's where we go. We go to Goodwill. It's pretty awesome. So appreciate it. Keep bringing your excess there. We'll go get it. <laughs> just saying being in your own counsel is not wise. And look where it gets him. And he says, I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. Let me ask you a question, man. When it comes to your possessions, when it comes to your property, when it comes to your time, when it comes to your gifts, when it comes to, your, to, to the things that you have maybe control over, what language do you use to describe them? Do you, do you, mine? Is that, is that your language? This is mine, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. Or do you use the language of thanks? Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm so thankful. Because yeah, here's what I know. When I call something mine, I'm very careful. I'm very, very careful. When I know something's mine, I'm real careful who gets any of it. Right? But when I'm thankful, then I'm more careful on how much I keep to myself. I'm more careful on not keeping so much for me. 
right? He said, the man says to his soul, and I think you know, we have to change that inner dialogue sometimes. The best thing he could have told his soul, and I, I, I hit this uh, the other, a few, a few months ago, I, I was reading Psalms 103, and I saw these verses right here, and saw the first verse right here, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and bless his holy name. And as, as we're reading, we can just read across something like that because it sounds really Christian-y and churchy and right and godly. And, you know, I'll, I'll just, I'll say that. Yeah, bless the Lord, O my soul. And all is within me. Bless his holy name. Praise the Lord. Let's keep moving. But it stopped me in my tracks because I looked at it and I said, wait a second. Bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me. Because right now, at this moment, when I started reading that, the blessing was all on the outside and there was no blessing on the inside. And he's calling us to a blessing from the inside. Bless the Lord. Hey, soul, are you blessing the Lord? Hey, everything that is within me, boom, are you blessing the Lord? And I was challenged at that moment to say, you know what? Bless the Lord. Man, God, I don't know that I'm blessing you from everything on the outside, but I had to fall down on my face, man, and say, you know, Lord, help me to bless you with my soul. Help my soul to speak to you. Help everything that is within me just be all yours, Lord God. And I will sing from the highest mountain. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Woo! And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Amen. That's the kind of the blessing. Not just being loud or not just but being true and honest. You want to have a conversation with your soul. Hey man, hey man, don't 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 be the guy that says, hey, you got some good stuff. You know, he could just kick back for a minute, relax, eat, drink, maybe have a party with yourself. Nobody's invited, it's just you. It's gonna be a lame party. All right. And then the rest, the next verse in that psalm says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. See, it's not mine, it's thankful. What benefits? Forgiveness, redemption, his healing, his love, his mercy, his goodness. And then Jesus said, but God said to him, you see the guy's progression just need to put all this stuff away. All right, I just need to put it all away because I'm kind of afraid. And God said to him, you fool. This night, your soul is required of you. And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? You know that soul you've been talking to? You know, the soul that hoped for all that comfort was well, called to attention now. Maybe you should use some of those riches to pay for some attention. Um, anyways. This night, your soul is required of you. I mean, the most precious thing that you have in this life, you know, you have to understand this. The most precious thing, and I know we always look outward, but the most precious thing that God has given you in this life is your life. And you say, no, it's my kids. No, you're, you're here to be a blessing to those kids. It's your life. And what are you doing with that? Let me ask you a question. If you were, if you were to get $86,400 a day, Think about this. Every day, somebody gave you $86,400 a day. 
All right? What would you do with that money? Oh, let me remind you of this. But at the end of the day, it would be gone. Whether you used it or not. You get $86,000, $86,400 a day, all right? And whether you use it or not, by the end of the day, it's gone. It wouldn't take long for you to start planning that money out, right? It wouldn't take long for you for, to start putting it to work because you know it's going to be gone at the end of the day. You're that, that, that $86,400 is going to be gone. You know you got more coming, so, right, so you can do some cool stuff with this, all right? And here comes some more, Right? but you knew it was going to be gone every day. How would you use that money? Would you, you couldn't store it because it would just rot and be gone. It would be it. How would you use that money? I want you to think about this. Every one of us has 86,400 seconds in a day. Every one of us. How purposeful are you with those seconds? How generous are you with those seconds? How loving are you with those seconds? How valuable are those seconds? If you keep every second in the day to yourself, all right, and you know they're gone at the end of the day, man, how valuable were those seconds of every day of your life? I want to challenge you with something, man. When, 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 we, when, when you know how to give your life away, wealth and possessions are going to have a hard time owning you. You understand that? When you, when, you, when, you learn, when you learn, when you know how to give your life away, because guess what? I got a secret for you. This life was never really intended to be yours. That's all his so when you know how to give your life away, wealth and possessions, there was a real hard time owning you. And some of you are still stuck on this idea that God called this guy a fool, right? Some of you say, can you get back to that, right? Because why God called this guy a fool? Throughout the Psalms, you can find in some areas in Scripture when you see God use this word a couple of times in the Psalms. I'll give you one right here, Psalms 14.1. He says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And that's basically where he's trying to help you understand this guy's leading. He says, who's going to own this, this stuff now, you knucklehead? The question, <laughs> the point of the question is this. I can tell you the one person who won't own it is this guy. So here's what I know, man. God demands an account for this man's soul and his wealth and his storehouses cannot cover that debt. But Jesus can cover the debt. And Jesus has covered the debt. You see, every one of us, we owe that debt that we can never repay. And Jesus came to pay that debt that he never owed out of his generosity and his love for you and for me. And he gave it up right there on the cross. Every one of us, man, Push God away. And he came and said, here I am. Paid in full. And then Jesus said, so it is for this guy. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Was not rich in respect to God. 
See, again, the, the issue is not wealth, but how life is viewed and how life is directed. See, real life possesses a much different focus. Real life is tied to God, his offer for forgiveness, his values, his rewards, all right? Real life is faithful in our response to his goodness. Real life, which is truly rich, is rich towards God. And therefore, it's a blessing to others. I want to close with this passage right here, man. And I want you guys to really think, I'm just going to let this passage do the talking for most of it. Then I want to challenge you guys to something here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning in verse 6. He kind of gives us some instruction here. He says, man, but godliness with contentment, that's great gain. This guy's trying to, he says, look, you can't be the guy that just tries to gain by just storing and storing and storing and storing. He said, no, godliness with contentment, that's great gain. Store that up. He said, we brought nothing into the world and we could take nothing out of the world. But if we have food and we have clothing with these things, that we should be content. Right? Those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. And then let us, let us just set, set clear the verse that we always get wrong. All right, We always say, or you always hear it said, money is the root of all evil. That's not what he says. The love of money is a root, is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. See, the problem is not having money. The problem is when money has you. Riches have you. Wealth has you. Accumulation has you. We are blessed to be a blessing. I want to challenge you to a thought, man. God wants you to be rich towards him. With or without money. With or without a barn full of stuff. And you'll know you're, 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 you're creeping in on, this, on these riches. And I'll put this up there, man. When your life's pursuit is for God. And your greatest pursuit, your greatest possession, all right, is for God. When, when your greatest mark and description of your life is your love for God, all right, and a life lived in Jesus Christ that is expressed in the lives of others. That's when you'll know you're creeping in on this, this rich life that God wants you to live. So what are you going to do about that? What are we going to do? Well, I, you know, I want to challenge you to take something with you this week. And I want, I want you to do this for the next seven days. I want you to read. Oh, then I want you to ask the question. And then I want you to listen to the answer. And I want you to consider your way forward. Read what? That one verse we just read. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. I want to challenge you to read godliness. That, I know you're reading your reading plan. And we do this all the time. You're reading your reading plan. Keep reading your reading plan. But before you sit down and read that, that, that's the scriptures and stuff that you have for tomorrow and the next day and the next day, just read this verse and ask this next question, all right? First verse, this verse, read this verse, but godliness with contentment is great gain. And then I want to challenge you to actually these two questions in line here. Is Jesus enough today? 
how will I prove it? That's godliness with contentment. Asking yourself this question in the morning, I think is gonna be really, really helpful. I mean, I just challenge you to do this for seven days. Write this down. It's really simple. First Timothy chapter six, verse six. Read that verse. Ask the question for these next seven mornings. Is Jesus enough today? Today. And if you say, well, no, he's not. Well, then why? What more do you need than Christ? I mean, that's the starting place of everything in life. And that is the, the, the consistency of life. And that is the end of this life. And that is beyond, he is beyond this life. What more do you need? Christ will lead you in the direction you need to go. Ask the question, is he enough today? And when you get to that, yes, he is enough. How will you prove it today? I want to challenge you in this, this next song. I mean, I love, I mean, this is a worship service. You're invited to a collective service of worship, right? Yes, there are some things here that are being told to you individually, but God is speaking to me and you. He's speaking to us, the, his church. And as we put these, you know, we, we are led by the spirit of God, I believe, to, to put every song and prayer and word and, and song together because it's all one thing. And this next song, I'm telling you, man, you meditate on the things that we've just talked about through this next song. It is quite powerful. If you need prayer, we're going to have people here to pray with you. Come on up and pray. Let us help you if you need help with that. But it's your turn, man. We got the easy part done. Come on.